Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the Omnitalk Ask an Expert series. I'm one of your co-hosts for today's interview, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazenga. And we are the founders of Omnitalk, the fast-growing retail media organization that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. And can you believe it? This is our last live LinkedIn event for 2023. It's been a good year. It's been a good year. We had some great events this year. We really did. We really did. Well, I'm curious, like, how would you sum it all up as we mm. get to the end of this year, as this is kind of our capstone interview that we have? You know, I think we started the year, right? This was the show me the money year. It was all about like, right. there's That's so right. much pressure on retail operators. You have inflation, shrink, supply chain, consumer preferences are changing by the second. But then as a result, we already we also saw some really cool investments and and really cool developments in technology. And I think that's, you know, obviously AI was one of the biggest right. ones. I feel like towards the end of the year, it was like every single conversation we were having across any of the content types was focused around AI and specifically around Gen AI. So I, I have to say like that was that's really one of the hallmarks of 2023 that I think will go down in history. But I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I, I think you said it really well. Yeah, it's been this like this like dichotomy of like, you know, the pressures that are facing retailers, which we've talked about ad nauseum on our weekly podcast, but then also just some incredible technology advancements, particularly AI, like you talked about. So yeah, I think I would sum it up exactly like you did. And so without further ado, to help us kind of weave our way through that dichotomy is none other than Talk's good friend, the CEO of North America for SMS Magatag, Philippe Boutin. He's here to give us his predictions on how all that, that confluence is going to play out here over the next year. And really, he's going to talk to us about how stores are going to continue to change in 2024. So, Philippe, welcome back to Talk. We were talking before we got started. This is your third or fourth time on our show, right? That's right. Well, thank you for having me again and for being the last, uh, you know, episode of your season this year. I'm happy to be with you guys. We're ending it with a bang, Philippe. We're very excited to have you. And and I'm excited to hear your predictions, especially with all that SES has done in the last year. I'm excited to hear what you think is, is on deck. And I want to give our listeners a quick reminder before we get started. Those of you who are watching us live on LinkedIn, you can ask Philippe and his team any any questions you want about the future of stores in the next year uh, via the chat session window just to the right of your screen. So go ahead and do that at any time. Um, Philippe, as Chris said, our conversation today is about really looking forward to next year, hearing your predictions directly from you and your experience. So I want to I want to go back to something we talked about at the beginning. The retail context has been extremely tough. Definitely one of the hardest we've seen in recent decades. And inflation is still a big, big topic on the minds yeah, of consumers. Is. What let, let's just hear, let's have you go for it. Like, what do you think that we <laughs> can expect from next year? Let's let's dive in. 2023 was a, a very challenging year. We've seen a, a lot of uh, you know inflation, shrink, changing customer behaviors to your point, and so you know, we, we've had to navigate through a, a difficult year and uh, looking at predictions in 2024 is, uh, is not easy. Uh, because it's, <laughs> That's uh, why you're it's, doing it, not us. Yeah. Right. Right. But it's a, it's a very fluid and dynamic environment out there. Um, so we're, you know, I think, uh, well, maybe we can, we can start with inflation. Uh, yeah. since we're, we're touching on that. Um, 
you know, it, it's been very high in uh, in 23. Um, you know, we, we're, we're kind of expecting it to uh, slow down in 24, hopefully. Uh, right. I mean, everybody's looking forward to it. Uh, it's probably going to have different dynamics depending on the industry, uh, you know, in... Uh, in grocery, we're we're probably going to keep seeing some uh, three four percent uh, digits, while in mm-hmm. some other industries, it's probably going to flatten. Um, so, different dynamics per industry, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. it's definitely going to keep impacting the consumer. Yeah. Well, and what's the what are the retailers doing, Philippe? Like, what have you seen them start to do to kind of combat that that concerned consumer? How are they trying to change their retail operations to support? that type of shopper well by providing maybe a better value to shoppers uh you know that's one way of doing it changing assortment uh optimizing their uh, operations inventory management uh giving better pricing better promotions to to consumers as well um so do doing playing with everything they have at their disposal to try and uh you know, mitigate uh, the impact to the overall basket for shoppers. Which includes being right priced at shelf too, which is, I know, something you guys specialize in and being given the, the consumer the confidence that the right price is at shelf and that the retailer can actually manage those prices very simply yeah, we know, too. We know a little bit about shelf edge indeed. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. A, a skosh, a skosh. Go ahead, Anne, you're going to say something. What are the retailers doing and what do you think they'll continue to do in 2024 to optimize their operations you know, we, we're seeing uh, in the States, for instance, we're seeing growing adoption of, uh, you know, shelf edge technologies uh, in order to support these pricing and promotion uh, schemes and, you know, making sure prices are accurate, promotions ex- executed on time, whether, uh, you know, better reflecting all the, uh, the, the the price changes that are happening through the supply chain as well. So those, those investments are happening. We ourselves... Uh, we were lucky enough in 2023 to announce, uh, you know, the expansion of our project with Walmart, for instance, in the in the U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they are, they are betting big on prices, and uh, we're happy to be supporting them as part of this initiative. And we're seeing it across a lot of other grocers uh, in the U.S. as well, not just Walmart, but plenty uh, plenty of operators are investing in those technologies now. Yeah. And I would say, I think that's a good prediction on which to bet too, right? That there's, there's going to be this marriage, right, Anne, of like, I think it's what you're getting at too, this this marriage of the pricing analytics with the the shelf capabilities of, mm-hmm. of digital pricing uh, and what that affords both the retailer, the customer, but those two things together, really one plus one equals three. And so I would bet too, and I have bet for quite a while that we'll start to see more of that going forward. So, all right, let's shift to the second part that Anne brought up too, Philippe, in the beginning, which is just the growth in really cool and interesting technology, particularly by way of AI and and in particular generative AI. What do, what can we expect in 2024 uh, on the generative AI front in terms of how it will impact retail and retail store operations here in the future? We have uh, those conversations about Gen AI every day. Uh, do you? And every do you really? Week. Yeah, yeah. This topic is on everybody's mouth uh, at the moment, and we we we've been doing a lot of work ourselves on on that as well. Um, you know, it's uh, AI is um, is really about you know how do you bring intelligence back into commerce? Uh, how do you apply intelligence to make better decisions uh, in store, whether for associate or consumers? Uh, you know, that doesn't really matter. But for associates, it's about really uh, 
you know, we have all these IoT and all these technologies that are generating a lot of data uh, in stores. But how do you turn this data into really actionable insights that are meaningful and that can be impactful for store operations? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the hard part. And we think uh, we're still, I think, at the at the beginning of those really meaningful insights. Uh, we're, we're starting to see some really interesting, you know, workforce management uh, applications in order to better guide the work of uh of uh, of associates we're also starting to see some really cool stuff when it comes to uh you know imp- influencing customer behaviors but i we're going to see a lot lot more of those going into 24 um in order to be able to make better educated decisions at the point of purchase what are some examples of that can you tell us like i'm curious on on both sides of that so like they, they it sounds like there's some consumer facing elements there as well as some 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 um applications towards how we're deploying sales staff inside of a retail operation. Like what are some tangible examples you can share with us to that end in the terms of, in, t- in terms of the types of things you think we'll start to see? Well, if we talk about the associate, maybe first, uh, you know, the, the AI models are sometimes generating, uh, you know, counterintuitive behaviors or requirements for stores. Let's say, you know, if if you've been an associate in a retail store for for 20 years and you go in an aisle to fix a gap, uh, and and if you see a fronting issue, you're going to want to fix it because it's part of your DNA. That's how you've been operating as as a store associate. But the AI model might tell you to do something different based on value. You know, instead of going to fix a, a fronting issue, uh, the AI may be telling you to go do something else that adds more value to the store. And so the the, the introduction of those uh, models, which are ROI-based, value-based, are going to generate quite a bit of change in terms of how operators need to behave in the stores, which might be counterintuitive. So it's how do we, uh, you know, making sure that we help them uh you know, go away from all this manual work uh, that they used to do, which was based on intuition and guts and make them do, you know, work which is based on algorithms and, you know, return on investment is going to be, it's going to be quite a bit of a, quite a significant impact for them. them. We go back to what we said before about, you know, the, the interaction of pricing analytics with the digital shelf pricing as well. Mm -hmm. And and all that all that a digital tag can do right now, quite honestly, which is show promotion, show health attributes of products and all that kind of thing. I start to get kind of my mind starts going crazy in terms of like, okay, you could be taking all this data that you're getting in real time from this collection of smart store devices in a store, and then actually be using those substrates as a way to communicate to your shoppers differently through generative AI and its use. And is my head in the right space with that, or am I going in, in a crazy direction? No, I, I think you're going in the right direction. You know, let's imagine you are, uh, so we talked about inflation. Everybody's on a budget, right? What if you could have a tool at your disposal that tells you how to run your grocery for under $50 based on a certain number of criteria? And your shopping list could be automatically generated from shopping behaviors based on a maximum budget. You wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to overspend. Well, you can ask uh, the AI to give you a list of recommended products to do exactly that. And so that's one way of helping, you know, mitigate inflation for shoppers that are, you know, on a budget. And 
you know, you uh, the 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 AI would look at your past history, the type of food or ingredients that you want to have as part of your shopping journey, and they would they would give you the best recommended shopping list. So that's an interesting application that we're 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 we're, we're seeing out there, for instance. Philippe, talk to us a little bit too. I mean, one of the things that we've seen in stores is not only applying AI to help make the consumer's shopping experience better to understand, you know, pricing accuracy, but also we've seen some applications like on some of the tags, you can also have like expiration dates. So you have a better idea of like how to more sustainably run your store. And does that, do you see that in 2024 kind of translating into like the shopping? I love the shopping list example. Like how do you get your, your shopping list under $50 for the week? Do you see some of those connections being made now that retailers have visibility into like when, when a set of, you know, when a display is set to expire and how do you kind of work that in as, is this, this, this main brain that's running the smart store? Well, that's another great example. You know, if you can get uh, this kind of granularity in terms of uh, expiration dates and potentially do day part pricing or modify your pricing based on due dates, you know, you you, you can start doing some really, uh, you know, really interesting promos or, you know, intraday promotion based on expiration. So these are also things that potentially CV could help with. Uh, because computer vision could potentially help in, you know, figuring out, uh, improving waste, making sure that whatever leftovers you have after 5 p.m., you you can discount right. in order to provide, you know, eliminate waste on the retailer, provide a better price for the consumer. You know, those are interesting use cases. Right? What is what's going to change in 2024 for the retail associates day to day life that you see happening? For, for for the retail associate, most of those tags are invisible, you know, AI yeah. or, or CV and IoT. You know, they're they're yep. uh, theoretical, right? What what's really impactful for the retail associate is when you turn those technologies into really impactful uh, actions that can transform their their day to day. You know, eliminate some of the tedious manual work of doing gap scans, of doing price changes, of doing, you know, expiration date, uh, you know, tracking in stores. And, you know, it, it, it helps them, you know, with a purpose because now they can be directed to doing work that is value added instead of work which for which the value is uh, harder to quantify. And so I think it, it it kind of elevates at the end of the day the uh, you know the associate NP, NPS results that you can you can expect from uh, from your staff because instead of not knowing the purpose of what you're doing then you can in, inform them that the work that they are doing on a daily basis is actually impacting the PNL and so you know mm-hmm. I think it, it it really transforms the way they 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 can potentially per- perceive their their work in the stores, right? We've seen firsthand from again being in some of the stores that you all have deployed in that, that it's cutting down work from three people taking three days to do pricing adjustments. Now it's one person taking you know t- taking a look around the store for three hours just to verify that those prices are accurate. Um, that the tags are all displaying as they should be, which is a huge amount of time. And you have the unique position of kind of seeing some examples of what that's unlocked for the retail associates. And I wonder if you can share those with us. What have your customers seen already uh, that 
that those retail associates have been enabled to do in the store because they have that extra time? And what do you hear from clients that they're hoping will happen in 2024 or other things that those retail associates will be deployed to do now that they have the time um, away from these mundane tasks like label changes? Well, so, so typically the, 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 those technologies, they allow uh, time saving, which are reinvested in the business, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the reinvestment in the business is meant to uh, serve clients better uh, most of the time. Um, you know, the, so serving the client better can be done in many different ways, right? It can be uh, making sure that there, you know, there, there's no out. Uh, mm-hmm. When you walk in the store, you don't want to be running in an out-of-stock situation. You want to make sure that uh, you also want to be able to guide clients to the right places in the store. So uh, findability of products uh, is something that is very time-consuming in a store. The bigger the store, the more the findability becomes an issue. Right. So this can be uh, can also be used to uh, help clients with findability uh, quite a bit. And so, you know, these uh, these are examples of, you know, how uh, time is being reallocated in the store to better serve clients. Yeah. So, so better, better store experiences ahead, Chris, for us as consumers in 2024. Yeah. Someone well, will be able to help me find the breadcrumbs. Right. right. Well, I don't know. And that's let's, let's not get extreme here. You finding breadcrumbs. That sounds challenging. But but I mean, the bigger point to me, the big nugget that you just dropped there, which is why I love doing this show because I never know when these nuggets are going to happen for me is like, is, is the point that you made, you know, about generative AI is going to impact the, the store level workforce too. It's not just going to be about helping the guy in creative at X retailer do their job better to put out more social media posts and whatnot. It's actually going to almost under the covers. If I heard you Philippe correctly, it's going to, enable the store associate to work faster, to work better, to work more efficiently. And that's a big change that I don't think I really quite was cognizant of until you articulated it that way. Um, And it pivots how I now am thinking about, okay, generative AI for the store field level employee and trying to make their jobs easier. To your point, their NPS will go up. They will be, they are the best advocates for the brand that you have. And they're also... Quite honestly, it's been tough to staff them of late too. And so it's probably smart for the retailer to invest on the AI front here for that purpose than it is relative to others when I think about it in that context. Am I, how would you fill in the blanks to what I just said? I think you say it very well. You know, the, we 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 often hear about Gen AI uh, as you know a creative component. To your point, uh, but I think the application of AI to uh, improve the day to day of retail operations is something which is going to be highly critical going into next year, especially with labor shortages, labor costs going up. Um, you know. It motivates uh, retailers a lot to go find creative solutions to those issues. Right? Yeah, and I know when I use it, for example, like it, it does it. It's actually improved my quality of life just in my day to day of working. Like I said to Anne the other day, I was like, "Jesus, Anne, I got more time on my hands now because I'm I'm using generative AI to make myself better to enhance my performance." I've always said it's a performance enhancing drug, but okay, Philippe. So <laughs> there's one element that that I know is near and dear to your heart and it's near and dear to Ananize hearts too. And it came up a little bit, but it didn't come up as overtly as I, I probably, Ann and I both would like, and I know you would probably like too, is, is this issue of sustainability. 
you know, is this the year that we start to see retail becoming more sustainable? And what are your thoughts overall on that concept? Well, I'm glad we touched on that because, uh, yeah, it is close to our heart indeed. You know, a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the technologies and solutions we've talked about are meant to, you know, create a more human-centered commerce, more sustainable commerce. But uh, you know, it, it, there there's a there's a theme underlying everything we're doing, which is uh, indeed very much, uh, which has sustainability at the heart of it. Um, there has already been a lot of work, on, honestly, in 23 uh, on that, but not enough. Um, and so we need to keep on pushing in order to keep it at the top of the agendas uh, of our clients, of associates, of customers, you know, whether it's through, you know, waste reduction programs, inventory management, better inventories management, um you know, developing and, you know, helping develop local e-commerce are, you know, so some of the some of the topics that are at the top of our agenda, for sure. And hopefully our clients do. Yeah, right. So, yeah, I mean, we've talked about before, I think I wrote last year, too, the store is really the center of a sustainable retail ecosystem at the end of the day. When you think about all the combination of technologies from a smart store standpoint that can get deployed to the degree that we're talking about, we're starting to see that as we've discussed already through the, throughout the length of this show around some of those benefits but i wonder what are some what are some concrete examples that you think we'll start to see in market of retail operations becoming more sustainable at the store level in 2024 hmm. well um we, we we can pick a couple examples um you know maybe starting with uh, the what we call local e-commerce okay uh, using stores as the last uh, the last node of the distribution network in order to, uh, to, to you know, where people do the picking uh, in order to serve online orders. Uh, you know, the, w whenever someone is facing a, a situation of having to build a distribution center versus leveraging existing assets uh, such as stores in order to do uh, the, uh, the, the last mile fulfillment, one option is more sustainable than the other for sure. Mm -hmm. you know, leveraging the store, uh, revive, making sure that they are able to do the fulfillment, the picking in a very efficient way is, is something that is uh, that that retailers are increasingly realizing. You know, there's been a lot of DCs uh, manufactured lately, uh, but there has been also a lot of those projects which end up being more complex than expected, uh, more costly than expected versus potentially in investing in stores and making sure that they're the one, they're the assets that are leveraged to do uh, the local e-commerce portion. That's all stuff that's going on behind the scenes. How do you see the sustainability measures that some of these retailers are going to be taking in the next year being um, shown to their consumers? You know, you could propose delivery options which are based on sustainability. Uh, you know, do you want to mm. be delivered in an hour? Do you want to be delivered in one day? Do you want to be delivered once a week? Uh, obviously, for perishables, uh, that doesn't necessarily work, but there are many other uh, e-commerce options where, you know, grouping products uh, in single deliveries instead of multiple deliveries can be offered as an option towards more sustainable, you know, consumption. That's a great yeah. point. I, I never thought about that, too. Like, even like curbside here in the U.S., because like, mm -hmm. I think in the U.S., there's like this balance between curbside versus fulfillment out of DC or fulfillment out of the store, shipping from the store. Curbside has a lot of benefits here in the U.S., uh, which we just covered on another recent podcast too. 
um, you could actually brand curbside as the more sustainable alternative and like, Hey, come get, come get your goods while you're picking up your kid, while you're doing these other things on that same trip on that same journey. So you're not using gas or requiring us to use gas or non-sustainable fuels to get the products to you on their own as an individual. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's clear too. It's just like the awareness portion of it, like from the, the labels that I'm picking up, like, am I going to buy this box of pasta or this box of pasta? And just being able to clearly see as a consumer, like this one was more sustainably produced or this meets my goals personally of what I want to do as a sustainability effort with this retailer all the way down to what you were just talking about, Chris and Philippe, about how I'm choosing to get those products fulfilled. I think that seems like that will become more front and center in 2024. Yeah, and waste reduction is also a big component, you know, mm -hmm. still in uh, in everything that is perishables. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how do you leverage CV in order to make sure that you, you reduce your waste at the end of the day, you know, in the bakery section? Um, you know, it's like, how do you, uh, you know, monitor in real time your production versus your demand in order to end up at the end of the day with as little overstock as possible? Mm -hmm. CV allows you to do that pretty easily nowadays. And it's, uh, it's a great way to help on the sustainability aspect of waste as well. Yeah. And the other thing I love about computer vision too, is it tells you what the stock is actually in the store, which when you start talking about perishables and grocery, that's always a tricky question. But, you know, in theory, if you deploy the camera technology, right, you can get a better sense of that to then link it up to the demand forecasting tools that you're utilizing to again, make one plus one equal three and create an actual impact on the amount of waste or process you're throwing out every day in the retail operation. Is that right, Philippe? Yep, exactly right. Because what I mentioned on bakery uh, is applicable to any, you know, fresh section in the store. So it works in delis, it works in produce, or it works in anywhere else. Yeah, moldy strawberries, which is always my favorite when running a store. You know, got to check the bottom of those strawberries, and you never know what you're gonna find. You never know. And there's nothing worse than coming home and realizing that those strawberries are moldy. There's really not, actually. That is kind of the disappointment in the morning when you wake up to that yogurt and then there's the moldy strawberry. But all right, Philippe, well, any closing words, any closing words, thoughts, final predictions here for 2024? Again, it's a, it's a volatile environment out there. So it's it's a, it's a difficult exercise you had to me go through. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll, we'll be seeing you right away in the new year too. Um, we'll be seeing you out at NRF. Um, why don't you share with the audience a little bit about where they can find you uh, if they're going to be out at NRF or afterward? Yeah, well, absolutely. So for all of those uh, traveling to NRF, come to our booth. Uh, we'll be happy to host you. And otherwise, if you're not coming, you can find me on LinkedIn. No problem. Thank you so much. That wraps us wraps up today's interview. We hope you enjoyed what is our final 2023 interview of the year with SES Omega Tags, Philippe Poutine. This past year has surely been a year that introduced us to new technologies like generative AI. And hopefully today's conversation inspired you as it does us about how 2024 could be a year of putting those technologies to work in a positive and more human centered way. Thanks to all of you who joined us live and whether you watch this interview live or are listening in later, as always, be careful out there in 2024.